Hi, everyone. Today, me and Helvorn are going to be doing a recap of an interview I had last week with Pure Arts Group, which is a UK-based um, artist support group where, that has interviews, uh, regular in, online and offline meetings, and more. So for more information, free, feel free to check out the link in the description and also watch the video that was recorded of the live stream itself. So I will share that with you. And there's also a link to this in, in the description, but this is the video and it is around an hour long. And basically I just talk about the inspiration that I had, right? As I was coming along in my artist journey. So yeah, basically go check it out guys. And so yes, we're gonna be talking about the interview itself now. And the reason I have Helen with me here is because she asked a lot of questions. She actually made an account when it was streaming and then she started asking a lot of questions and asking some really engaging questions that really helps the interview go along. So, you know, one of the most interesting questions you asked was about deviant art. And, you know, a lot of people in the in this live stream did not know what deviant art was so we had a lengthy discussion in the video itself about the impacts that deviant art had on both of us exactly it was uh, all in all a very interesting and engaging interview and uh, uh it, it was great to be there and to watch it live and to be uh able to uh post questions that you could answer and it was great to see so many people watching and uh, so many coming uh, in with questions uh, so as to uh, um, to find out more about you and your art and your experiences. And uh, their questions were really interesting. And I think that they went into uh, directions that you haven't really uh, discussed before, such as uh, the, uh, the beginnings of your uh, artistic uh, journey and uh, how you met uh, well, people that uh, um, you you still talk to right now and who are interested in the same things and writing and art communities, which I think are really important. And um, uh, I realized that uh, a lot of these things that you uh, mentioned were quite new to, uh, to, to the audiences of uh, pure art. So I think it was really informative for uh, us all. Mm -hmm, definitely. And, you know, as we talked about on the Instagram live preview of this episode, you know, uh, DeviantArt really did play a large role in both of our lives and Tete's as well, but we never really had a full length discussion about it like we did on Pure Arts. And I think now during this episode, we're going to talk a bit more about DeviantArt and how that, how it impacted us. That's true, exactly. So uh, we met in uh, 2015, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. and you you were writing Basmaji, and uh, I was uh, I was extremely interested in uh, the story. Well, what caught my attention was the fact that it was uh, historical fiction, and. Um, of course, that's uh, that, that's my main interest. And uh, also the illustrations were really amazing. And I had not really uh, seen that kind of format before. So it was, it was always just, uh, you know, walls of text. This is what I was into. And art, something separately. But then I was quite 
I was quite puzzled when I saw that you were posting, you know, with, with each page, you had an illustration and it really stuck with me because you could imagine uh, so nicely the characters and the setting and, uh, well, you had a lot of uh, fantastic costumes from uh, um, a culture that I did not know very much about and I got to learn back then and um it it was great because it's uh well those are illustrations done by the hand of the author which is really interesting it is not something that we usually see in in books that we uh buy you know and the, the illustrations are done by someone else but they're not only um i could see that but i could also talk to the author and ask questions and so it was really interesting for me and that really inspired me and all the people who were um watching you and uh, commenting you know akitku and uh tete and um i i got into contact with them and it sort of you know opened a different path for me so it was really inspirational to to meet you back then mm-hmm, definitely and um, actually, I'm kind of curious, but how did you view art back then? Because from what you told me, you were mostly just doing, you know, mythological sketches and, you know, fan art of Lord of the Rings. So because you saw it as separate from your writings, how did you feel your writings were like? Because, you know, on DeviantArt, unfortunately, when people see a wall of text, they usually typically don't comment. That's true. And I think that my my writing itself was much less visual because I was I was thinking only in words and not in images. And I think that trying to illustrate my art uh, really helped a lot. Uh, all right, that's true that I, I don't really illustrate um, uh, landscapes and settings and buildings and things like that, and not even maps, but uh, even the characters, you know, trying to, to really imagine them in, in the detail that a semi-realistic uh, illustration requires really did wonders for me to be able to connect with them is it the same for you or did you always so. uh, think in both uh, words and illustrations mostly thought about in terms of illustration because I was never good at creative writing and still it is very difficult for me like I'm good at technical writing and essay writing and that kind of stuff like you know when I present facts and try to convince people of things but I'm not good at getting into the voice of different characters like it usually overlaps or it just becomes like every sentence becomes very clunky and it just doesn't feel fluent but yeah, I think it only becomes easier for me when I try to role play. But when I do descriptions as well as dialogue, it just falls apart or I just lose interest. So that's why I've always been more of an art person. Of course, to me, it's strange to hear that because I've always found your uh, texts really engaging and your short stories and uh, also those that come without illustrations. And I never had the impression that, you know, you, you are not good at something in particular. It, it always comes uh, along really, really nicely. Even those that were more spontaneous, you know, the short stories that you finished in, in just a few days, you know, even those. So I, I never got that impression. It's, it's really interesting to hear that, that you feel this way. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not that bad, but I always feel like my graphic novel work is better than their short story. I mean, it, and also inspiration comes in spurts for me. It's mm-hmm. not something that I really like, you know, I, I can't really discipline myself to do it like I do for my work, for example. I can't wake up and say, hey, I want to write chapter one of blah, blah, blah today. I can't do that because somehow I feel like there's something stuck. I always feel like it's very difficult to write when I don't have the inspiration or when I don't have the words in my head. I feel like um, drawing's a lot easier because I don't have to have something in my head before I start doing it. Like when it when I draw, the, the ideas just come and the words start coming. And there's not that many words. There's only maybe like one or two sentences or a paragraph at most for my graphic novel work. But for my short stories, it's like, paragraphs upon paragraphs and I I just don't have the energy or the words inside my mind to sustain an interest in writing something so long that's true that's true it's uh it is a problem that I have as well with the inspiration that's not very constant so yes I I also am not able to just sit and say um today I'm writing about this because even when I am brainstorming it's it gets extremely messy I I get this idea and then I have it branches into other ideas for different chapters or for different moments in the story even now when I'm focusing on just one novel, which is Equilibrium Point, I, I, I rarely work on one chapter at a time. It's also, it's always several ideas. So I see what you mean, but you found this uh, graphic novel solution to this, and this is how you manage to be very disciplined. And this is also uh, one of the, one of the themes of your uh, discussion with Pure Arts, which was really interesting. The, um, um, the, the way you trained yourself to be disciplined and to create constantly and how you managed to do that and I think that was an important lesson for us all because uh, a lot of people struggle with this uh, discipline and motivation and you managed you said and 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 I know that you managed to uh, to do something every day to mm-hmm. to write and to draw every day which is fantastic yeah exactly and I thought that drawing would actually help me more because if I just wrote I think it would be very difficult for me like I said I have a problem with visualizing so much text at once especially when there's no quote unquote concrete purpose because you know for my work I do writing but then there's always a concrete purpose because there's a word count and I know what the client wants but when I'm writing a creative novel project that's more than a short story for example you know 100 pages or 200 pages there's no immediate short-term goal that I can see oh yeah okay I have to finish chapter two and you know, this has to be resolved by the end of chapter two, but what happens between point A and point B, I don't know what happens, but when I do it in terms of art, it becomes easier because I can visualize it and I don't have to pressure myself to write so many connecting texts. I have a problem with connecting texts. Like I, I know what's going to happen scene A and scene B, but in between, I don't know what's going to happen. And that part is where I spend too much time and I waste too much time on determining what happens in between those two points. That's true. So this is where the art comes in. Mm -hmm, Exactly. 
That's really interesting because, and, and, and I think it was also interesting in the context of uh, uh, pure arts because uh, there aren't so many people who are so uh, um, authors of many talents, so to speak, like, like you are with uh, art and uh, writing and podcasting and game development. So uh, I, I think it was interesting for everyone to watch this and to hear more about your experiences and your techniques mm -hmm. and they all tie together right like even game development which seems so far and distant from everything else that we talked about here it was one of the ways i tried to get inspired because uh back when i started fortunist games i could not do anything like i can't finish any creative projects right so after finishing best machi i felt dissatisfied and i couldn't make anything for a few years like it was just all scattered ideas and i finally tried to do something with um, the whole, you know, visual novel game for Sam New York, but that also didn't go anywhere, but it did help me understand how to structure something because I was mostly focusing on coding rather than the story, which was, you know, something that needed to be changed. But back then I was trying to get myself into coding so I could at least spend like five hours a week thinking about Sam New York because I was at the point where I couldn't think anything about it except for some random facts. Like, you know, I don't know, maybe twice a month or something so gaming or creating a game was a way of immersing myself in the world so i could think more about it again that's true and, and that's really fascinating and i hope to see uh uh the the game <laughs> developed soon oh i don't know when that's going to happen because um, originally I was thinking of making the game before the graphic novel, but then I realized I had to make a lot of drawings for the game, like for the backgrounds yeah. and the characters and so I'm like, okay, I think I need to make the graphic novel first because, you know, when I make the graphic novel, I'm going to create a lot of art that can be used for the game. So I was like, okay, we need to do that first. And now the graphic novel is getting longer and longer and longer. So we don't know how long it will be until I go back to the game. That's true. But when you do, you will have so much material because the characters are so well-rounded right now and the world is so developed and you have a lot of art and a lot of writing already. And uh, so, yeah, it, it will go much more smoothly once you get back into it. Absolutely. Because I was actually looking back at the coding I did and it was good. The coding was good. The problem was that the characters were not well developed. They were like a skeleton back then. I didn't even know where the plot was going. So that's why the game never went anywhere except for a few scenes to test out the coding. Yeah, that's true. So this is what is going to change in, in the future. Yes, exactly. So uh, back to DeviantArt, we were discussing about uh, all these online communities and uh, how important do you think it is for, uh, for writers especially to, to connect with others? I think it's very important. I think writers need to have um, inspiration as well as you know, something to encourage them because as I think you probably know, when no one reads your work, right? It, offline or online, it just becomes very, I don't know, just you feel very isolated and sometimes you don't feel motivated to work on your series because you feel like no one cares, right? That's true. 
That's very true because uh, we all start thinking that, uh, you know, we mainly write for ourselves and not for other people and not to, you know, make money or something like that. That's that's not the goal. But at the same time, it is so motivating to see that people are interested and that you get. Um, you know, questions and um, and uh, insight from your readers and your watchers. So there's there's really nothing like it. And if you just write by yourself, and even if you, uh, you know, you write and you send your work to uh, literary magazines, it's still really not the same as an online community, is it? No. I mean, I had one of my works from last year accepted to a literary magazine, and they didn't give me any comments or anything. They just said, you were selected as a runner up and we will mail you like physically mail you the copy of the magazine where your story is, you know, presented. And I mean, that's good, but you don't get any feedback. I mean, they, you know, that they like your work, but they never give you any in, in like, you know, these essays that people give you on, you know, lucky wolf on tapas, for example, you don't get to see that. Exactly, exactly. And, and that is so valuable. And, and that's where you really uh, feel that your work is valued. Mm-hmm, exactly. Not And, you know, even the New Yorker, I don't know about the New Yorker, that's a different level. But has anyone done like fan art for characters of short stories published in the New Yorker? Because I'm kind of curious. I know they get a lot of deals like podcasts and stuff like that. But do people show that kind of appreciation for their stories? You know, like what, you know, for example, That's I've been point. showing Teche's stuff. Like, has anyone made their characters in The Sims? <laughs> okay, I think we're the only people who do that. <laughs> None of the people in New That's York true. have had their characters memorialized in The Sims. <laughs> That's true. I, I really think this is not something that other people do. So. <laughs> yeah or even talk well I guess podcasts like probably one or two but then it's not really about the characters themselves but about you know the general themes and stuff like in an English literature class that's true and talking about your characters as if they were real people that's really something amazing because of course you think about them as real people but hearing other people talk about them that way you know that's that's really fantastic and this is all something that only such an online community can offer exactly and I think it's only certain only certain people can offer it too I mean before I started yes. talking to you and Tete I didn't really think about my characters in that context you know they were mostly just like these mannequins for me to dress up kind of like you know a historical museum thing Mm, that's true that's true so we we sort of influence each other yes we did especially Tete because she was the first one I heard about who said that you know she always viewed her characters as people with agency not just a figure to push a story Oh, I see. Yeah, that's interesting because I I did not really see them like that either at the time when I started posting my stuff on DeviantArt. Yeah, how did you see them? Yes, I think, well, in a way I did see them as real people, but I wasn't so uh, immersed in the characters and their stories and, and the action. I was mostly... Um, I I was mostly thinking, I think, in terms of themes, a plot, and not focus so much on characters as I was 
Uh, and I think that on DeviantArt, there are a lot of people, I mean, most people are focusing on uh, on characters. I mean, some, some people don't have stories for them. They just have characters, you know? So that was the first time I ever heard about this because mm -hmm. I, I thought in, in, in terms of stories and settings, you know, so that, that influenced me to, uh, to get my balance in, uh, in my own works. Right. Cause you were coming from a more academic perspective, right? Like you were focusing yeah. more on the historic, historicity of the story and the setting right and all the research you were doing in your real life as well which was tying into your story so I think that was the, one of the main reasons you were more focused on the themes and the setting yes that's true that's true so mainly I uh, I had uh, a setting that I was researching and that I really liked and uh, that I had studied and then I had a character like Aiden who was more like a self-insert so that was mostly the the extent of my character creation because the rest of the characters weren't really well developed I had a lot of ideas but they were more like impressions so I, I couldn't connect with Ingvar even though he was my my oldest character and uh on, it, it it wasn't until I actually started writing Lucky Wolf that I really started to connect with him and think like him mm. and just uh, hear his words in my head so he was more like a concept back then how about OC training did that help Yes, I think it helped. I think it helped from this point of view that I got to see how people focus so much on their characters, which was, like I said, uh, really a game changer for me because I wasn't looking at them that way. So um, yes, in this sense, it was. Of course, there are a lot of problems with a project like this and uh, because uh, people there are so varied in terms of interests and how different the characters are and um, people don't really connect with each other I mean people are uh, organized into into theme uh, teams sorry and uh, they don't have a lot in common and you just have to, to to comment on everything and come up with ideas which is good but at the same time it's not um, there's not really a, a huge chance of finding someone with whom you actually have a lot in common and who has genuine interest in your story and the other way around Exactly. Right. And I always felt like it was a little bit too fast because of the, um, the pacing, like, each, oh, yeah. yeah, each deadline was only one week away from each other. And that wasn't really a good way to structure it, in my opinion, especially for people who are older, who are not in school, you know, like people who have to go to yeah. work and stuff. I think for most people, it worked for them in the group because I think they were mostly teens or in university that's true that's true so this is why I started to not have enough time for OC training and you know the, those months when you were in your training you didn't really have time to um, um, to work on anything else so if you are you know working in something in real life and then you only have this much time to do art and uh you know character building and so i could only focus on the character and on the story that i was doing there and nothing else so i i try to keep uh, a 
a pace of two artworks a week. So one being uh, the one for OC training. And I tried to also do something else that was really, really difficult to keep up. So this is one reason why I eventually stopped joining the training. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But so, oh yeah, Adolf. actually, I think you actually enrolled him in OC training before you started writing Lucky Wolf, right? Yeah, that was definitely the most successful round for me because I uh, I only focused on his character because I was creating him from scratch. And there uh, it really, really helped to brainstorm so much and to focus on the story. So that was definitely the most successful, yes. Mm-hmm, right. I think the first one you ever entered was Hakon, right? Yeah, that's true, because I thought that he is a character that people would find more interesting. I mean, the people who um, who, who take part in OC training, mm-hmm, right. because he's more fun, you know? <laughs> yes, I think so. And he's more of an action hero, and they like action adventure stories. Yes, exactly. So he is like, you know, when people say Viking, they imagine something like Hakon exactly right so I think OC training well for me did OC training really impact me that much not really I think it was mostly done for fun and the fact that you know you were in it and I think Tete later joined which kind of prompted me to join because you guys were there and I just wanted to support you and some other people for me I don't really think OC training really helps that much because I already had all those ideas in my head it was I just wanted to see how many how other people from outside that community that I was in would react to my characters yeah that's true I I also didn't feel like it helped you a lot I I know that at at first you were quite reluctant to join because you are already doing all those things by yourself without the prompts you know so but then yeah it it didn't help all that much no it was mostly for fun and I just wanted to do some of the crossovers because you know some other people we were friends with were also part of the group yeah exactly exactly yeah I think I was talking to Tete a few weeks ago, like if I did OC training now, I I don't think I could do it because, okay, for characters like Joel, they're even less hard to um, use in OC training than someone like Katya, who was easier to use in some aspects, even though she herself was quite different from most characters in OC training because she's more multifaceted. It's not like she's on an adventure, like, you know, because most of the stories in OC training were more straightforward, right? It was mostly like, you know, someone going on an adventure and then they have a very concrete wish, like, for example, to reunite with their parents after being separated due to some events or something like that. But like, I guess Katya was a little bit more multifaceted, but someone like Joel or Malka, I I don't think I can use them in OC training at all. I, I, I don't know what their wish would be. It would be too multifaceted. It's not anything that's really concrete. Yeah, that's very true. Yes, and and uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure it is fit for something like for, for characters like those. Right. I think the only character that I think really fits into OC training, and I did enroll him a few years ago, is Sam. Yeah, definitely yes, yes, because because he has a, a much more uh, quantifiable goal, right, to be an actor. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And his fears are pretty obvious because fear is basically a reflection of his goals, right? Like his goals, but then the opposite of that. But for someone who doesn't have a clearly defined goal, how would you answer what their wish is? 
That's true. That's true. I, I was thinking about enrolling perhaps Ulf from equilibrium point, but I have exactly the same problem because I do want to focus on uh, equilibrium points. So maybe it would be a good idea to, to do this right now. But at the same time, they are really not the type of characters that I could enroll and for the same reasons. What's his wish? Mm, exactly. <laughs> he doesn't have really any wish. Yeah, he doesn't really. Well, I guess to be with Ivar, does that count? He's <laughs> a wish. I guess. I, I don't know. Yeah, that, that's really difficult to say. Yes, I think he does. But, you know, uh, up to a certain point, I mean, only if it's a good relationship, not at all costs. So that's true. not even that could really It count. sounds too extreme. Like to his wish is yeah. to be with so-and-so just sounds like he would do anything for him, right? But that's not true. Yeah, that's true. It, it really sounds like, a, like, like something obsessive, but it's yeah. not mm-hmm. actually. So I don't know. He, he is already a doctor. He's always wanted to be a doctor and he is a doctor. So I, I have no idea what his wish is. Yeah, to, to find love and stability, I guess. I, I guess this is uh, for the both of them to find stability. Maybe this is why it's called equilibrium point, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess this could be a wish for the both of them. I, I feel it's kind of general. But... Mm, yeah. Or maybe you could just do OC training on your own, like instead of going yeah. to the OC training group on DeviantArt, like maybe you can just do the task yourself. Because I mean, otherwise you have to follow their schedule and that's kind of difficult. Yeah, the schedule is difficult, but then the the advantage to OC training is, like you said, uh, interacting with other people and showing your character to to people that you don't otherwise come into contact with, because I'm mostly active on Instagram right now, and Mm -hmm. so I would show them to people on tablets although like you said again i'm, I'm not really sure uh the people there would would appreciate such characters so i i i wonder if it's worth the effort you know mm-hmm, exactly and deviant art now is less active it is it is so this is how it's how we changed and you touched upon this on um on, in the pure arts interview as well Definitely. I think since DeviantArt had the Eclipse version appear, it's actually become less popular, especially the writing section, because Tete said that the writing Mm -hmm. section got really messed up and the the font's really hard to read and everything. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think so. Mm -hmm. Right. So anything we want to talk about? Oh, I had a question for you, which I was uh, thinking of formulating uh, during the interview, but then, um, well, I could do it now. So you talked about how Sam and Joel develop from different aspects of yourself in terms of personality and life experiences. And so my question is, um, were they more similar to each other in the beginning when you started creating them? Because you started from your self in a way and were there any traits which were common to both of them and they have since been changed so they have sort of drifted apart and became more their own people or was it the other way around they were very uh different at first because i know that joel was uh not not so likable a character so to speak and Um, sam on the other hand uh didn't have many flaws 
That's he true. Came. He didn't. <clears throat> and the reason is because they were not originally intended to be reflections of myself. I think it gradually became that way as I started fleshing them out. Because as you said, um, Sam didn't really have any flaws. And that was something I did worry about. I, I worried if he was a, a Gary Stew, which is, you know, the male version of a Mary Sue. And I was, um, one of the reasons why I joked about him being a black hole Mary Sue was because I used to be afraid that Sam was too perfect. You know, he was too lighthearted, too optimistic. And he, he he was just too nice you know like there was nothing about him that was really flawed so you know I really thought long and hard about that and now we really have some solid flaws for him you know he can be jealous he can be very superficial he can he he is you know he is someone who is, has toxic positivity sometimes so there are some real flaws now and for Joel, like I said, I think it's the opposite direction. He had too many flaws. And yes. like I said, he was not meant to be a main character. He was mostly there to make Sam look good because he was an asshole. And Sam was, you know, the nice guy. So he was meant, he was there to make Sam look better. And that wasn't really fair because, you know, Sam is not a hero by any means. And, you know, he should be more neutral. And I was like, you know, I think Joel needs to be more neutral as a result as well. You know, they can't always be in direct opposition just to make Sam look good. That's true. Joel was more like a foil to Sam and he was more like a the negative uh, part. I mean, they weren't similar, I think, but uh, yeah, quite on the contrary, Sam really didn't have so many flaws, whereas now he has a lot of them. And also the ones that you mentioned and uh, also his uh, reluctance to connect with people on an intimate level, I think. Right. And I thought it was actually a good contrast to add in because I think without that he just feels too ideal especially mm -hmm. since and i thought about that i thought about the whole like balance thing too if joel was going to have this you know groundbreaking romantic relationship then we can't possibly give the same thing to sam right because it just feels like there's too much idealism so yeah they both have relationships and stuff like that but it's different and it reflects their different approaches to life and also their relationships are uh, apparently striking uh, because uh, people would probably expect Sam to be the one who has more, uh, you know, relationships uh, because he is so uh, open and optimistic and because Joel is the other one, the, the one who's much gloomier. And uh, but uh, once you get to know them and to get past appearances, it makes a lot of sense that it is the way it is. Exactly. So I thought it would be good to have that, you know, to explore the different layers of a personality and how some people appear to be a certain way. But once you get to know them, are they really that appealing? Because Sam, in many ways, he is appealing. But once you get to know him, he might be irritating. Yes, yes, definitely. Yes. Well, Joel is is really not like that, even though in the beginning he seemed to be so. Exactly. So in a way, they're still opposites, but I think in a deeper way, not in, in just a so simplified way. That's true. Yes. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's a great answer. And it's uh, much more complex. Mm -hmm. Right. So is this the end of our recap? Or is there anything else you want to talk about for the recap? I think we covered most of the most of the topics that were discussed there. So 
Yeah. Thank you so much. And, you know, thank you so much again for showing up last week for the live stream. That was really fun. And, you know, I really liked answering your questions during the video itself. Definitely. And thank you for, uh, for inviting me. It was really interesting to watch it. And I hope to, to see you in uh, many more interviews in the future. Definitely. I hope so too. Bye. Goodbye, everyone.